You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 12th of May. I'm John Herfinan from our Customer Treasury Unit and I am joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Manga to discuss the ongoing economic impacts of the pandemic and all that's going on in the market at the moment. Ollie, thank you for joining us. Another interesting week in the face of COVID-19 pandemic. Can you give our listeners an overview of the last week in financial markets? Yes, John, I mean, it's more the same, really. Stock markets meant further gains, even though we're seeing a lot of data now where the impact of the COVID-19 virus is clearly impacting. And last week, we saw another sharp rise in weekly jobs claims in the US. That brings the rise in the last five or six weeks to over 30 million. And then the keynote report in the financial markets in any month is the US employment report. And it sets the tone really for markets for the following month. And we had the data on Friday in regard to April. And not surprisingly, the figures were unprecedented. There was a fall of 20 million in employment in the US in the month of April, reflecting you know the fact that large parts of the economy have been shut down. And then as a consequence, the unemployment rate spiking higher to 15%. And it, it may even go above that in the month of May, given the trend in those sort of weekly jobless claims, which are more up to date. Notwithstanding that, and weak GDP figures for output in the first quarter, the stock markets have largely brushed off the economic data. I think they're really focused on the fact that economies are beginning to reopen again, both in the US and in mainland Europe, and that a lot of government measures have been put in place to help stimulate economic activity. Central banks have been very supportive in terms of buying of bonds, quantitative easing, making sure there's enough credit flowing into the system. So from the market's point of view, they see the policymakers really pulling out all the stops to try and ensure that economies are kick-started as restrictions are gradually eased in relation to the coronavirus. So that seems to be, you know, there's no great change there. I mean, the stock markets did fall very sharply in uh, the second half of February and the early part of March, but they've recovered a lot, of, a lot of that last ground. So you could say they're taking a very optimistic view here, you know, that further down the road, we won't see a second wave or that restrictions may, may have to be reimposed or indeed that it transpires that we don't lift restrictions at the pace that governments have indicated because the virus proves more persistent than expected. But nonetheless, I think the, the markets seem to be taking the long view here in terms of governments and central banks are pulling out all the stops to revive economic activity uh, as restrictions are, are lifted. Well, the numbers coming out of the states in the back of this are eye-watering, really. Even if you take the jobless claims, last week being the lowest since 1940, and all that said, it seems to be that sterling remains the most volatile of the major currencies during this crisis. Why do you think that is? Well, well firstly, I have to say the bond markets and the um, we've seen problems in the Italian debt market at times, stock markets have been volatile. But I have to say that the currency markets in the last four to six weeks have been very range-bound. Now, there has been some strengthening of the yen, which is not surprising. I mean, the yen is the currency that traditionally benefits at times of, let's say, elevated uncertainty in markets and risk aversion and what have you. But when you look at the other currencies, they've been very range-bound. Now, it is true, sterling went through a very rough patch in late February, early March. I mean, it fell very, very sharply in a short period of time. If memory serves me right, I think the euro went from 84p towards the end of February to 95p by the middle of March. 
and uh, sterling against the dollar dropped from you know above 130 to below 115 in the space of a little over a week. Now sterling recovered subsequently as the market stabilised and stock markets recovered and what have you. So what that episode does highlight is that sterling in particular is probably the most vulnerable of the major currencies. We do see a bout of instability in uh, financial markets. Part of the reason for that is it's, it's not as large a reserve currency or as liquid a currency as let's say the yen the euro and the dollar because you know the uk economy is not as big as those economies so it is it is somewhat vulnerable when we see stress in markets and we just didn't see it in february we can go back to the financial crisis back in 2009 2010 the erm crisis back in 1991 1992 australia was very very vulnerable uh, we saw sharp falls at those times so but more generally speaking you know the currencies have been very range bound and you look at dollar euro it's been between 107 and 115 going back to 2018 at this stage at any time that's a very narrow trading range never mind what we've seen in financial markets over the last two or three months so uh, but you are right if we did see the re-emergence of stress in financial markets sterling could be the currency once again that would be most vulnerable in terms of falling sharply in that sort of situation and AIB's latest weekly market brief, available on FX Centre website, is entitled Brexit Still Lurking in the Long Grass. With trade negotiations having resumed and the UK government have not yet indicated that they have moved from their previously stated position of exiting this year, can you offer any insight to the listeners out there what we could see happening in relation to Brexit and how this might play out? Yeah, well, first of all, I said sterling fell very sharply there in late February, early March. It's since recovered, so the euro's back down to about 87, 88 p range. And it's been very, very fair. Sterling the euro have been very range bound now. I think about 87 to 88 and a half p has contained all the actions since the start of April. And sterling has been very uh, within a very narrow range against the dollar as well, around 123 to 126 has seen most of the action in the last four to six weeks. So, I alluded to the risk that we, if we saw a fresh stress in markets, sterling would be vulnerable. I'm probably more concerned, though, that people have taken their eye off Brexit, and that remains a real risk. And, you know, trade negotiations between the EU and the UK were suspended for a period of time because of the COVID outbreak. In fact, the lead negotiator, Mr. Barney, came down with COVID, and now he's since recovered, but it, it delayed the, the negotiations. And they've resumed again over the last two or three weeks. And by all accounts, you know, they're not making much progress. And we always knew that end December was a very tight deadline to have a, a trade deal in place and agreed. It's becoming very, very difficult. I mean, I think the Irish Foreign Affairs Minister said it's nearly impossible to see any worthwhile trade deal be negotiated by the end of the year. Now, there is an out here, which is the withdrawal agreement provides that the UK can seek an extension to the transition period for up to two years beyond the end December deadline. But it needs to put that request in before the 30th of June. And there's no sign of the UK doing that. I mean, they continue to rule that out as an option. So if they don't do that by the end of June, and we see very little progress in the trade talks, well, then Marcus might be thinking we could be facing with another cliff edge Brexit event in December where the UK may be facing a hard Brexit because of the inability to include a trade deal by then. And the fundamental difference between the UK and the EU remains in place, which is around the rules of any trade deal. I mean, the EU is absolutely insistent that we have common rules, a regulatory alignment, if the UK wants access to the single market. And the UK is saying, we won't do that. We want to set our own rules. So it's hard to see how that bridge will be crossed now and then the year it may take more time but if the uk doesn't seek an extension 
uh, within markets may fear that we could see no trade deal and effectively a hard Brexit at the end of the year taking effect next January and the damaging effects that would have on the UK and Irish economies and on trade between the EU and the UK and the very negative impacts that would have on sterling. Uh, we have seen sterling fall to very low levels in the past year when negotiations in terms of withdrawal agreement were ongoing last year. The euro got up to uh, 394p. Sterling was even weaker than that in the aftermath of the referendum result. So Brexit in the past and Brexit concerns have triggered episodes of sterling weakness. And uh, what I'm saying here is that delays in Brexit, concerns about a rising risk of a no-deal outcome to the trade talks may reopen those old currency wounds for sterling, certainly over the second half of the year. So as markets aren't that focused on it at the present time, obviously the coronavirus is front and centre, reopening the UK economy is, is very much the primary concern of the government. But they need to make decisions here in regard to Brexit. And uh, I said that the first deadline for them is the end of June. And if we don't get an extension requested by the UK, and the EU will grant it, they've said that, to give more time for negotiations, well then I think currency watchers are going to become increasingly concerned about sterling in the context of the ongoing negotiations in the second half of the year, the very short time frame, the lack of progress, the intense disagreements. And there may well be a bit of brinkmanship here on the UK side in terms of its negotiating tactics and saying, well, we'll go for a hard Brexit if you don't give us what we want. So, I mean, I do think that we will see all the indications are that the UK won't seek that extension to the transition period at the end of June and that that then will be a precursor for renewed volatility in sterling over the second half of the year. So those trading with the UK, both importers and exporters, should bear that in mind. And Ollie, just on the Brexit point, you've mentioned that June 30 is a key date. If the UK government doesn't act before then, is that it in terms of we're definitely going to hard Brexit at the end of the year? Or is there leeway there? Will the EU still deal? And is that what the UK government are really pushing to, is to using time as um, a kind of a clarifier of thinking? If you get yeah, point well, the answer to your question is technically and legally, the withdrawal agreement provides that the request for an extension must come by the 30th of June at the latest. Now, suspect nobody will want to lump a hard Brexit, a no trade deal on top of the recession that's been triggered by the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic, and we'll want to avoid that, both the UK and the EU. So I would think that if the UK wants or thinks twice as uh, later in the year looks or seeks an extension to transition period, it probably will be agreed. It may require an amendment to the legislation, EU heads of state to agree that, but this is politics, so deals can be done. But between June and getting to that point, I foresee a lot of volatility in currency markets and concerns that we may not get a an extension or we may not get a trade deal so there's no guarantee my expectation is that they will try and avoid this hard brexit but i mean we don't know it may well be the view of the new conservative government that they want a complete break that brexit has dragged on long enough and you know given that policy is so stimulated at the present time well why not go off the hard brexit and complete break we have low interest rates we can stimulate the economy further with fiscal policy and this might be an opportune time, even though the economy is weak from a political point of view, to you know sever the ties with the EU, which is what a lot of conservatives want to do. So I think that those risks would be on the on the back of people's minds. So what I'm really saying is if we don't see a transition, sorry, an extension to the transition period agreed by mid-year, it sets up sterling for a very volatile second half of the year. And goodness knows how this will end. But you couldn't rule out a hard Brexit by end December. 
or else a trade deal that is very, very poor in terms of access it gives the UK to EU markets. They might as well have a hard Brexit. Ollie, very informative stuff. It's a topic that our listeners, I'm sure, will dial back into once we get beyond this pandemic, and hopefully that comes sooner rather than later. And I'll thank you for the complete update that you've given, and a big thanks to all our customers, colleagues, and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. Please remember, for customers impacted by the COVID pandemic, you can find out AIB support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. To stay up to date with all the latest developments, please subscribe to AIB's Market Talk on podcast apps for iOS or for Android. We'll talk to you again next week. Please stay safe. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.